0: episode we'll be talking about R.E.M. Murmur. In the room I have Adam. Hey. Rob. Didn't the butthole surfers stalk this band? (laughs) Ben. I don't know that story. David. What? (laughs) And on the line I have Kyle. Hiya. Murmur is the debut studio album by the American alternative rock band R.E.M. released on April the 12th, 1983 by IRS Records. The producer was Don Dixon and Mitch Easter. The genre is alternative rock, post punk, folk rock, and garage rock, and I'm gonna read from Allmusic Review, Stephen Thomas Irwine. Leaving behind the garagey jangly pop of their first recordings, REM developed a strangely subdued variation of their trademark sound for their first full length album, Murmur. Heighten the enigmatic tendencies of Chronic Town by de-emphasizing the backbeat and accentuating the ambience of the ringing guitar. REM created a distinct sound for the album, one that sounds eerily timeless. Even though it is firmly in the tradition of American folk rock, post-punk, and garage rock, murmur sounds as if it has appeared out of nowhere, without any ties to the past, present, or future. Part of the distinctiveness lies in the atmospheric production, which exudes a detached sense of mystery, but is also comes from the remarkably accomplished songwriting. The songs on murmur sound as if they existed forever, yet the subtle folk and pop conventions by taking unprecedented twists and turns into melodic, uh, evocative territory. Whether it's the measured riffs of Pilgrimage, the melancholy of talk about the passion, or the winding guitars and pianos of Perfect Circle, Aria may have made Albums as good as Murmur in the years following its release, but they never again made anything that sounded quite like it. All right. What do we think of R.E.M. Murmur?
1: Did that That's write up say that they left behind the jangle of their early recordings?
2: This record is so jangly. They had uh, one recording before They said the backbeat. Yeah. They had this Chronic Town, which is just like straight up like flaming groovies, just like okay. jangle, jangle,
3: jangle. Really? Well, yeah. I've never yeah. heard that one.
2: So... Yeah, they
0: they evolved, I think, from the the birds territory of the Beatles' jangle rock into something different. I, I understand get, what they're saying. I get
1: birds yeah. vibes from so much of this record. Yeah. Sure, and also I, yeah. I think like this record kind of launched a thousand jangles in '83. It really did. So mm. it might not be as jangly as their first, though, but I definitely
2: don't think they're they've given up on the jangle. Well, their next album, their second album, Reckoning, is like maybe the jangliest. Of all yeah. of them? So it's just like a brief departure. A hiatus. Okay. Yeah, they take a hiatus. Yes.
4: yes. It's, it's true. Yeah. Um uh Chronic Town, and then uh which is before this, and then Reckoning, which is after this, um, I like much more than Murmur. But I've always liked Murmur. It's got some stone cold, you know, classics on it. Murmur's great. Rob, what did you think about Murmur?
5: My favorite Murmur thing was uh <laughs> Bill Barry demoralized by multiple takes of catapult news yeah. at <laughs> <Poor> eleven. <guy. laughs>
0: Poor guy. (laughs) They they
5: switched up the producers on them. They had whatever second producer came in was like, no more takes on catapult. And like the wiki just said that Bill Berry was demoralized by multiple takes, which is one of the funniest things I've ever read. Oh, so yeah, as a person who's recorded
3: things, to clarify, I think I know about this. This is because wasn't this record made like they're trying to make it like really pure? My understanding is that they were doing like very few takes. Like these are like first vocal takes unless it was just a bad job and you know do another one but like super low and like organic instruments i mean is there any is there anything like no so a keyboard um, or
2: there's there's piano okay and there's like treated affected piano but for catapult the first before they started recording this version of it they tried to do it with this hotshot uh, New Wave producer who just mm. put synths all over it. And they were just like, I hate this. This is so bad. Yeah. And so they stripped it back down. And yeah, and like the album is mainly, other than guitar, based piano, it's like vibraphone. Yeah. It's like the next lead instrument. Yeah. It's off, uh, v- uh,
3: so bizarre. The, I think they didn't want to be dated. It's yeah. Like, because that's the thing. is like everything of that era was so like of that era because everybody was using all this new technology.
0: New technology always... He always day to you. Yeah. Yep. Mitch Easter
3: was
1: their dude. I think yeah. like he, he, they, he had, re- they had recorded with him earlier. Uh, it's like his, his place was his little studio in the garage was laid back. They felt like he got them and he got their sound. They liked the way they sounded when Mitch Easter recorded them. They took it to IRS and IRS is like, we, need we need an adult in the room. You know, like, we need someone that's going to be able to make a sellable record. They thought that the stuff Mitch Easter is doing was, like, too murky, too much of what R.E.M. actually wants to sound like. And so they brought in Don Dixon kind of to be also producer. I'm assuming that Don Dixon coming into the room is what broke Bill
2: (laughs) Berry. I I do love the idea of someone being demoralized.
3: (laughs) That's sick, man. That's
1: <laughs> even with uh, even with uh, like uh, the label bringing in another producer, it's still this is a murky record.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: No, not that. That's a bad
0: thing. How, that's what they were it going for. Yeah, they how, always
3: have a bit of a dark tone to their stuff. Yeah, you know, even though it's like jangly, there's a dark. What's
0: murky? How how would you describe murky? I'm just curious.
3: Mm,
1: there's a lot. It just feels like there's a lot of mid. Yep. And like the vocals are kind of just. Swimming in, in the rest of the mix as both
3: like, Yeah, it's just- a very minimal range. And he stays within this pocket with his vocal performances. And he tends to do long notes held out. And then occasionally he'll go into like the faster clipped stuff. But he has a really distinct vocal style. I remember trying to like learn some of their songs on the guitar as a teenager and being like, this is weird. Singing like this is weird. It's, it's very m- like monotone it's i mean it's a distinct style yeah at this and he's very good at p- at
2: this point in their career um they they wanted to use they they wouldn't print the lyrics on the sleeve of the records which was like a common thing at the time but they wanted the sound of the words to be like on the same level as like the tone of the guitar
3: it was just sort it of sounds, like a i mean it sounds I like mean, that. which
2: yeah. it, it totally makes sense uh which is like the the words themselves do not make it.
3: Any sense that's very 90s though, like in 80s, like I would say, like 83 to like 95. That was a thing. I mean, like, you know, when you listen to those, like, like Nirvana Bleach, which is coming up, yeah, all this, like, uh, exquisite corpse, dada kind of lyrics that is like very um out there. That was that was that was they were rejecting mainstream. I think it's an important thing to think about when you're listening to this record, is like. They're actively trying to not sound like most of the stuff that's on the radio. And yeah. yeah, the
4: lead singer sounds shy and it attracts yeah. shy people, shy like, listeners.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's well, they're good they're point. trying to show you that they're outsiders. So, like I think yeah. that is and I, I think it works, you know?
1: Even <laughs> his vocal delivery. Sorry, Rob. Oh no, you're fine. Even his vocal delivery where like, he, he's he's slurring more than he needs to to like obscure even what his nonsensical yeah. lyrics could be it's murky yeah yeah okay. he
4: didn't finish the lyrics before he got to the studio like a lot of this is just they don't make sense yeah i mean
3: like there was a couple of songs like pilgrimage where i'm like I'm, dude what <laughs> like no story arc here like no linear quality but I mean, the, there's no rule that says you can't do that either you know
5: yeah jump back to the uh, uh i wouldn't describe this as murky i'd say swirly <laughs> um, it's, a little, it's a little swirly. Always it's, spinning, spinning, spinning. spinning.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Twirling. Twirling. <Tour-related>. Rob's <laughs> saying he would give Michael what sw- type swirl. Uh,
5: but the um, oh. the, uh, the pr- production-wise, yeah, they they didn't want to add like they, they wanted. It. I hate it when people say we wanted it to sound timeless. Like you have any fucking clue what that means in 1983 when all this shits like original like first coming out. I think uh. that 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 that, that yeah. sort of take is it it's re- it's reductive I I, I, i'm not a i'm not a fan of it however I disagree. you're
3: just not using like what everybody's using right then you actively just say
5: what a guitar drums bass and
3: some vocals well yeah because that's been in the tradition for a long enough it's established as mm-hmm. basic canon instruments but unless
5: it's recorded to wax i
3: don't want to talk about it <laughs> wax cylinder is Bring me the my thing cylinder, boy. <laughs> i'm just i'm just suggesting that like it's the it's the tech like the Computerized I think, like the I keyboards. Think what
0: Rob is saying though is Fairport Convention is a band that's like we want to sound timeless because we could be a an a band from ancient oh, times. Yeah. And they're saying we wanna sound timeless like yeah, yeah. In, in the scope you know, of the twentieth century. Yeah, twentieth yeah. century
3: music. Yeah. But the thing we're listening to in the twenty-first century and there's still bands making music it's like a, this. Not
5: enough of them.
1: It, yeah.
3: It's a very college kid right. thing
5: to say. Uh, like a very pretentious college child. Oh, like, I oh want yeah. Like,
2: I want my album to sound timeless. I mean, oh, That's exactly
1: <laughs> what they were. I think, and, and, but, I think the
2: idea is not that it's timeless, just that it's not of the current time. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's there's For no sense. Which is really all but, that means. The same they're not saying th-
3: we're timeless. They're saying we want the recording to have that quality. You know, it's like... I think it's a little different, but that's my thing. The
5: same way that Ash... The Evil Dead is wearing this outfit because it is a timeless outfit—the uh, jean shirt and the, uh, <laughs> and the slacks. Because, <laughs> yeah, they, they, it, it, they, exactly like that. They Perfectly. specifically yeah. said we dressed him like this because we wanted it to be a timeless oh outfit. God. So no, I'm mm, har, back to it. <laughs> Bill Bill Barry though, like <laughs> a fun he, he the, the way he said a funny thing, but he did do like a weird thing where he was he set up actually in a drum booth. Like mm. he he wasn't playing out with everybody else. Like it was he in an, an isolation chamber, which mm. uh, was a weird thing to do at the time. But mm. it, it does sound good. The and uh, they didn't want to put a bunch of like separate like um, baffles, yeah, or just just instrumentation whatsoever. But he does a shit ton of um, like auxiliary percussion. Yeah, he does like set se- like separate takes. You can tell uh like uh on radio free uh europa or europe um like there's a like right ear like tick, 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 like just like a like, like a wiro a, text or oh a little shaker but but it's yeah but it's not it's not a hat and it's not a shaker i'm not quite sure what it is but it's only in the right ear and it's, specifically that's him doing that on a separate track so he I, was okay with multiple takes and multiple things but just yeah. just not with a yeah sorry Kyle, thank
4: you sorry yeah he overdubbed the snare a lot on know. The- on a lot of these songs. I think it's important for people who, like,
3: you know, haven't maybe spent a lot of time in the studio to, like, understand, like, how... I mean, leading up to 83, like, you know, the The, classic way was to just do, like, tons and tons and tons of takes until you got it, and there's like, the live performance. But then as you get into the, you know, 70s and 80s, I mean, anything was game. I mean, and people... I mean, like, Bruce Springsteen spent, like, six months in the studio trying to just get one song, you know, and it's just like But
1: that song was born to run. Right.
3: But I'm I'm just saying
2: (laughs) But that song fifty two channels and nothing's on.
3: (laughs) But I'm just saying like people can people can do like thousands of takes or they can do hundreds of take takes for each thing. Or they can do I mean sometimes they track records like it's not uncommon for people to track records where they literally do the whole entire drum kit where it's just like, okay, I'm gonna do the kick for four and a half minutes. Now I'm gonna do the hi-hat, now I'm gonna do the snare, and you can do however many takes it gets to do each one. I mean that in a world where like that's existing, what they were trying to do here is just go in, play the songs, try and get them, you know, be prepared, get them as fast as possible. Much they're, like the Misfits,
1: they're they're, they're a guitar rock band,
5: you know, meat and potatoes. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it
1: they only just wanted them, to
3: be able to show up and do it. it yeah.
5: Took them a month and a half to lay all
3: this down. Which was a long fast, time, it but sounds great. fast from mm-hmm. you know, yeah, in
2: like a, yeah, I'm recording to tape too. I mean,
3: tape takes like, forever. yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah.
5: question i like this album a lot I, i've i've enjoyed uh cool. most everything i've said uh, or everything I, I i heard on it uh radio fee europe the very opening of it i got some serious like krautrock, rock uh Kraut craft oh, yeah. cra- work vibes with that uh cool.
4: okay I guess, yeah uh, yeah for like sure that
5: phaser uh like yeah. yeah like uh which i thought was really neat i have stars next to all of these Songs cool. and a
2: lot of them are actually circled. So yeah, it was a uh, pleasantly surprised by this R.E.M.
3: interesting. Record.
2: I wanted to wait until Rob said something uh, Sorry before I tipped my hand and said that like <laughs> this is maybe my favorite album
4: wait, really? okay. yeah. well, uh,
2: anything. Huh? I mean, it's it's absolutely top 10 which for me means it's top three of my favorite R.E.M. albums. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I just I, I do love this album like so, come. I'm sorry. God. Yes. Well,
0: I was gonna say as an R.E.M. fan. Yeah, see I've always Uh, I had a good friend who I live with, Trey, who was totally into R.E.M. like Big time. Always, you Mm -hmm. know, saying Mm -hmm. R.E.M.'s great. He never pushed it on me. He never was like, you got to listen to R.E.M., you got to listen. So I never did. But I was always like, I held my own because I think I fell into that R.E.M. got popular when we were at the right age. Mm -hmm. And then looking backwards felt intimidating to me, in, in a sense, because they had, I mean, how many albums, they have like 10 albums or something in 13 years, and I was yeah. always like, I can't where even do you start, begin? where do I begin, where do I even yeah. go, and I should have just started with this, I should have just gone back to the beginning and, and started again, now I am, of course. It was
3: hard to do that, though, like, now you can just, like, put it but on the Yeah, a, is know. this where you would start, you or? So,
2: it, I mean, like, for me, I mean, I'm, what was your first REM, David? My first REM was... <laughs> I mean I guess it would have been green because I remember like I'm from Atlanta or outside of Atlanta and I remember hearing like the one I love.
3: Yeah, that's an early one for me too. Um, what a song. Wait,
2: no. The one I love is on document. I'm sorry. Um, mm. Oh god. Now I have to now I'm, I'm second guessing
3: myself.
4: <laughs> so there's my I, have,
3: I have an early memory of that because it was the song On the Chris Elliott show. Get a life. Get a life. life. And that was the theme song. And I remember loving that song. And like, because I love that show. Yeah. But,
2: uh, Um, for me though, like I got into them pretty heavily in uh, automatic for the people. Okay. Same.
1: I got into them in, in real time with, when mm. automatic for the people came, that was around. a big
3: deal, yeah. um,
1: Okay, and then I kind of Morris had an automatic for the people poster in his wow. and, and he's cool. I remember, like, I, I I saw that, I'm like, that That's looks cool, that pointy yeah. wrecking ball. What's <laughs> that? Uh, yeah, and yeah.
2: um, so like after, after automatic for the people, I kind of worked backwards a little bit, but Murmur was one of the late, the last ones that I got into, and I'm not sure why. Hmm. Um, but then like I really, really got into it probably 10 years ago. And, um, it, it, there's not like, it doesn't really fit into their continuum. Um, yeah. In any way, because I like you can that. kind of hear the way that they're growing through the years, but then there's just this one aberration, which is just like, they're a jangle pop band. Now they're this art pop band. Now they're jangle pop again. and then it kind of goes into like folky stuff. It's a strange, strange album that, um, I think there's so much that you can dig into. And really find interesting pieces, like on upon each new listen. Hmm. Yeah, I I agree with that.
0: It's a dense record. It feels like um, I was thinking a lot about Nick Drake, mm. uh, and how you know the more I listen to Nick Drake, the more I like it. Maybe not the pop. I, I can't remember his pop album, but the first brighter later, brighter later, yeah, featuring
2: Richard Thompson from Fairport. Yeah, yeah.
0: But the first and the and the last, the third are like every time I listen to it, I'm like.
4: Man,
0: yeah. it's just really good. And mm-hmm. I'm starting to feel like this with Murmur. I'm starting to feel like every time I'm listening, I'm like, I'm more invested. I'm more invested, you know, like getting there, you know, it's interesting. Makes me want to, you know, get more to, to go through the catalog.
3: Now. Yeah, I think what's interesting about hearing this record is one that it they just have a R.E.M. in general seems to have a sound that just appealed to so many people. You know, they sold so many records in their career. I believe they're the highest paying paid record deal of all time. I think it was like ninety million 15, dollars. Was ninety?
4: Ninety million dollars. What's like, the
0: major it's, that it's, they signed with after?
3: How many I, vegan Brothers? restaurants after in
4: after Athens Warner.
0: can Warner. you open with that kind of money? I thought it was eighty, but it pretty, it's, uh, I, mean, I knew there was, was in, like somewhere between Warner fifty Brothers,
3: and yeah. hundred million dollars. And like, it, Jesus, I, I, as of a few years ago, my understanding was this is the biggest record contract ever. Yeah, signed at the time. Mm-hmm. It definitely mm-hmm. was. Yep. I think it yeah. still is though. But uh, really?
1: I mean, what what album was that? Uh, the these were selling.
3: Warner? You know, they're selling the albums
4: back then. I know? think it was after Green was their first Warner Brothers record, right? Green was the oh, first wow. Warner. That's early,
2: and then Out of Time, and then Automatic, yeah. and then I think they signed the big mega deal after Automatic for the People, it was which the Monster, would have been. Was yeah. Monster was the first one. Monster was huge.
3: Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah the but they most, sold.
2: I mean,
0: like eighty million. Records, yeah, so it, it, yeah. it paid off. It's not like,
3: oh yeah, no, they they the did label did great. But they didn't deliver that eighty yeah. million dollar yeah. largest recording contract ever awarded. Yep.
1: Wow. and this is some uh, arena folk rock. It, w- it yeah. would be it's sort of a, this is
3: in nineteen ninety six five album 96. deal with Warner Brothers.
2: Good job and for like, our kids. I, I remember, like, seeing. That's what I'm saying is when you hear this record, f- you
3: don't hear eighty million dollar record contract. You
2: definitely like, don't hear arenas and
3: like. No, and, you can't even picture
1: I remember, it. Like, seeing some footage of like the Monster Tour, you know, like the the the, the, the venues they're playing and how they looked, and like Michael Stipe, like of course, like now he's got the shaved head at this point, but he's got like the glam, like eye makeup on, and just like, wow, that's this, that's this, that's the same band as Murmur. That's the same dude that was too shy to talk to David Letterman. I it's I watched right. that interview. So it's just the interview. It's not their actual performance. But it's the, p- the Letterman part where he like we like strolls over and starts, hey, cool drums, you know, like starts <laughs> yeah. talking to the band. And he's just talking to Mike Mills and Peter Buck, and you can't even see Michael Snipe, and he has this little conversation. He walks away. Michael Snipe was just like sitting back there with Bill Berry, and he's like, "Is he gone yet?" <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll I'll come up and sing now. Wow,
3: so funny. <laughs>
5: Michael Stipe, demoralize. I think, I think that's <laughs> <David Leonard> had.
3: <laughs> I think that they really have a, you know, je ne sais quoi or whatever, you know, like something that A soup of the
5: day? <laughs> yeah,
3: nice. <laughs> Sounds delicious. <laughs> um, but it's just like that idea that it's there's something that this band has that everybody can access a part of. You might not be and not everybody's like a the biggest REM fan, but I think everybody can find something by them, that that they're like, oh, yeah, it's a good song. You know, I think there's just something about it, something about their approach. Maybe they have just enough mystery, just enough that they don't tell you the understated performances. Something about it just is accessible, and they tap into that.
0: I think they tap into, I think the write-up was correct. They tap into the folk sort of American, you know, feeling or something that feels very natural to us, you know, especially here, of of bluegrass, of that sort of, um, you know, our heritage or whatever you want to say about uh, the, you know, uh, America's roots music. It feels very roots. Like they've combined country, rock, pop, all that stuff, but they've done it in a very unique way that Mm -hmm. feels very, uh, it just feels new when when you hear it, even, even today. I did find it interesting. I read an article about them. Other bands sort of copying their style around the time, of course, when this came out. Yeah. the Other bands, and they said, uh, two years after that, it was the replacements. I see a lot of replacements sure. band mm-hmm. right now. It's Sonic Youth. That's white middle class kids are playing now, noise influenced kinds of song, textured noise stuff. It comes and goes. We had our two years of being imitated. Mm.
3: <laughs> you know who? Wrong. You know who kind of, I think, pulled from their canon a little is uh, the Canadian band Tragically Hip. Sure. I think that they definitely came from the school of R.E.M. Yeah. I mean, they've had a long career of it.
2: Well, I think I think R.E.M.'s, um, I think their influence stems also from the fact that they were in a small college town in the south and they would just get in a van and drive. And they were like, I mean, they were DIY and, and they the- were playing any place that would take them um and so you know um which wasn't the way that that it was done at the time um so i think a lot of people even if you didn't connect to their music you could connect
3: they just to that
2: like that blue
3: the Beatles kind of did that yeah. with hamburg and mm-hmm. like i mean just like they honed their craft by just like going out mm-hmm. there and doing it instead of trying to get famous first
1: speaking yeah. of honing their craft every member of this band Except maybe Michael Stipe, because he gets a lot of credit. Every member of this band is underrated. Hmm. Like yep. Peter Buck is an underrated guitar player. Uh, Mike Mills is an underrated bass player, and also
4: those vocals.
1: Uh, those vocals, and and uh, Bill Berry's contributions. Like this, this band is a solid quartet.
4: Hmm.
5: Do you think Bill Berry enjoyed the works of Stuart Copeland,
2: of of their label boss's brother? Yes. Hmm.
5: Um, I, I hear a lot of that uh, that hi hat work, like going through some of these songs. But I mean, that just could be a, a, a thing of the time.
2: I don't know. It, um, It's laughing, right? That that has that kind of like reggae intro, like, where it's just like the roto toms. Yeah, mm-hmm. laughing is one that I, yeah, <laughs> I said. Me think I always think Bill that. likes Stuart Copeland a <laughs> lot. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he's doing he's doing a lot of hi hat work. Hmm. Um, I wonder. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah, if
1: there's a if there's a reggae feel, a uh, reggae feel with hi hat work, our sources point to Stuart Goldberg.
5: <laughs> Kyle, where <laughs> did you jump in on the uh, on the REM and uh, uh, I, where does this album lie in your heart?
4: I got this. I got a, my first REM album. I think it was Christmas. Uh, it was Out of Time, and that was kind of like my my gateway album to listening to like alternative music in the early '90s as a little lad. And, but like I said, this is not one of my favorites. I mean, I like it a whole bunch. It's got Stone Cold Classics on it. But, I mean, it's you've got Chronic Town right in front of it and Reckoning right after it. And I like both of those records a lot more. But, yeah, this is good stuff. I, I, I don't know if I can pick a favorite R.E.M. record. But, uh, yeah, Perfect Circle, uh, you know, Pilgrimage, Radio Free Europe, Talk About the Passion, Sitting Still. I mean, this is great stuff. I just don't think it's my favorite R.E.M. there.
5: Fair.
3: It's hard when you have a really close connection to a group too, because you you're trying to like usually if you're a big fan of a group, you think of it as the big picture, you know. You yeah. yeah. I think all, like I don't like I was trying to do that. I was actually writing a little blurb today of like my favorite five albums or whatever, and I was trying to pick a favorite Cure album, and I was just like, I don't know, man. Like I just like the band. Like I'm a yeah. big fan. And I don't
1: know galore. <laughs>
3: uh, well, and it's like, you know what? Like there's something to say for like, well, it's a lot of really good songs. <laughs> I don't love that they like remixed a bunch of them, but like, but the point is like when you're a big fan, you like, you like, uh, t- uh like different albums for different reasons mm-hmm. and it's hard to rank them.
5: Is yeah. this one of the bands that you would say like the, like a, a Pixies like conundrum where like the first record is the one that you end up liking the best? Because it's the first thing to hit your eardrums, or do they have? this their catalog expand?
4: Far I, I wouldn't that say you
5: know? that.
2: Okay. Well, I think. Yeah. The, I, I think the thing is, that, like, the album that hit most people's ears first was like their like eighth or ninth album. It's later, it was, like, solidly in the middle yeah, of that, their career. That's
0: why I was trying to get a, a little bit earlier. Is it feels like not to make a weird comparison, but the Bee Gees,
4: where, <laughs> sure. where they're a completely <laughs>
0: folk band, and then all of a sudden they're a disco band, and this, and obviously REM didn't switch that much. But everyone got familiar with R.E.M. right when they were pop, right? Like right when Shiny Happy People, Mm -hmm. you're looking at that, you're looking at Stand, you're Mm -hmm. seeing all these like poppy, goofy videos and things. And this is not the same R.E.M. I'm also wondering. They've already
3: done all the other like exploratory. Yeah. yeah. Speaking
1: of making visual impressions with music videos, losing my religion. Yeah. that's, That's probably the... I didn't have cable growing up, so I only watched it at friends' houses. Yep. But seeing that music video made a huge – i just burned those images into my mind. Oh, yeah. and you it's know? Really, like every
4: hour on the hour. It's
1: a yeah, really absolutely.
3: powerful song. And it's yeah. hard not to make an impression. <laughs>
0: So naming this the best album 1983,
5: beating that's out wild. well, I mean,
3: wait, beating out uh, my *Thriller*. *Thriller* and *Synchronicity*. Oh, and uh, *Pyromania*. <laughs> and uh, *U2 War*. War, yeah. Yeah, I mean that's, a, that's and, a big uh, year the for number music. *Number of the Beast*. *Number oh. of the Beast*.
5: Uh,
1: that's not and, my you know, favorite. maiden And uh, the *JD* *Violent Femmes* record, which I really, 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 really like. Which one? The first one. Violent
5: Femmes. Oh, for Violent,
4: Violent Femmes. Femmes,
1: that's a
2: great
4: album. Yeah. yeah.
5: Um. <laughs> Rolling Stone.
0: But was it Kurt Loder the uh, the one? <laughs> no, he's
5: MTV. Uh, no, Kurt Loder was a Rolling Stone
0: writer. No, it was John the Magazine. They all agree. Oh, it's okay. not just like, like no, one was, person picking out an album. Th-
2: the Rolling Stones.
0: Said I think that, that oh, this
1: okay. is well. I think that was this is actually Keith? an example of <laughs> Rolling Stone. Maybe for once. In a dec in the better part of a decade, being ahead of the curve.
3: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because yeah, I always like, feel like they're like the most dinosaurs of the,
1: through most of the '70s and into the '80s. Rolling Stone is behind the curve. They're like, oh, this punk rock is too noisy. Blah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we need, yeah. we need more Toto. But <laughs> you know, yeah. but like, like for, I do agree with that statement. Yes. I, I don't know if I would consider Murmur this. the best album of '83. But it kind of is the future of alternative
2: rock. That's what I was gonna
3: say. Is like yeah. to their yeah. credit, oh, they were they were picking something that was going to actually make an impact in the minds of musicians that, moving forward. That
2: is a wild swing on their part, but like, uncharacteristic. Yes. uncharacteristically going out on a limb. But I think like the I mean, ten years later, REM was the biggest band on the planet. Yeah, like that's kind of amazingly perceptive.
3: Did they did give they, any of the other REM albums album of the year? Because that's the uh, sort of, like, that would be really weird if, like, you know. give it this one and you're like, nah, whatever, we did it. Like, I don't know. It's just like. I do
1: like how often retrospective uh, Rolling Stone reviews just are the exact opposite of the contemporary <laughs> Rolling Stone review of when oh, album yeah. came out. Unless oh, yeah. they're talking
5: about Devo, then they still fucking hate him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> can't stand it. Uh, Birch, can you do me just one really quick favor and uh, skip back to 9 to 9? Yeah. The Which in- is also a track night. The intro to it is the guitar rock that launched 1,000 emo indie bands. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yep, there it is. Yeah. Yep. Not
4: totally. quite. Here
2: we go. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this sounds like oh. 2001. What's up, Nim? <laughs> 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 oh, to just man, sounds man. like American
4: football. Yeah.
2: Six string harmonics like way up
4: on the neck. <laughs> yeah. So that's just a Rickenbacker without a, an effects pedal, right? Like a clean so. Rickenbacker?
3: Yeah. I definitely heard a song that uh, they were doing a part and it had the effects pedal that sounded very much like the Pretenders, too. That
0: 9-9, nine, 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 that, that off-jangly, sorry to cut you off, but that totally, it just clicked with me. They were talking about seeing Gang of Four and it being the, oh. one of the best shows they've ever seen in their I entire life. I hear Gang life. of Four in this. Absolutely. And I'm listening to 9-9. Nine, nine, that is... That is like a Gang of Four move right there, that that sort Mm. of off-kilter, little uh, distorted guitar. Mm. Wow. Peter Buck likes
1: arpeggios. Yes.
2: Mm. He
0: loves them.
1: More power to them. Yeah. They sound cool. They're great. Yeah. The Uh, building uh, blocks of music theory. Up high on on a a Rickenbacker with Mm -hmm. plenty of reverb, it sounds really cool. Mm
4: -hmm. They borrow from Gang of Four a lot later, too. Yeah.
2: Who don't? Bad bands, that's who don't. (laughs) Yeah. I think people do it, and probably don't even realize they're doing it.
3: Or they're borrowing from the borrowers. Yeah, they're
2: borrowing from the borrowers. That's
3: the classic.
2: Yeah. It's my favorite
5: game of telephone.
3: Mm.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Here's a cool riff. (laughs) (laughs) Marvin Barry? (laughs) Oh, I almost got Uh, you a whistle coming out of your nose,
1: buddy. (laughs) You guys might not be ready for that, but your your kids are going to love it.
0: Around this time, they were touring with uh, X, Black Flag, uh, DBs, Husker Du, Minutemen, Mission of Burma, Sonic Youth Replacements, Dream Syndicate. Uh, of course, they Ooh, other uh, you and know,
2: 10,000 maniacs,
3: yeah. Other yeah. <laughs> uh, that checks out, too. Yeah, that's like a little closer than like, yeah, picturing like X and like you know, they said was they
5: love X. X. X, X and REM in '83. God damn it, X in '83 was.
0: They said, on top of their fucking game. yeah, they were no. like, "I don't understand why X is not the biggest band. I don't understand how we're po- no one popular understands why X, X isn't the biggest band." Well, they they had theorized that they got lumped in with punk rock, and that just was the end of them. If they wouldn't have been lumped in with punk rock, they thought that uh they would have uh exceeded. They mm. should have. I love them, man. What a what a what a double double
1: edged sword that is to get lumped in from with punk rock because on the front end of that. That like from, from like 1977 to 1981 punk rock just meant you're, there's no rules and you didn't fit in with other stuff and you were doing it yourself Yeah. and then, you know, and then the uniform comes in yep. and then the rules come in and then all of a sudden X isn't the biggest band in the world because they're a punk rock band. Well, the
3: That's rules right. come, and the rules come, a I would away. say yes. almost <laughs> more from the industry than they do from anywhere else because they're looking for their marketing opportunity. True. I mean, yeah. like, I would say that, like, not having a genre, you, you don't see a lot of groups thrive that are not associated with a genre. Well, the,
5: the majors were all looking for the next journey right now. Like, they, mm-hmm. they, they were all looking for that. They, like, they were very much living in 1977 rock and mm-hmm. roll, at least in the American market. Yeah. They didn't know what the fuck to do with anyone that was yeah, kind of pushing a little bit of boundaries yeah. that wasn't metal. But even then, they were staying away from metal because of the occult. Reagan's ghost! Was it
1: Thriller that has the disclaimer in the liner yes. notes? He's like, Hey, <laughs> just so you know, I don't believe in the occult. Anyway, here's Thriller. <laughs> 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 it's like a little spooky song. <laughs> yeah.
2: My friends John Landis and, uh, <laughs> and Vincent Price wanted me to point this out. <laughs>
3: <laughs> That's some pretty spooky guys, here, cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
5: <laughs>
3: <sighs>
5: yep, congratulations what? on all those Michael Jackson impressions, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I I aborted
2: mine immediately. <laughs> <laughs> I realized that was the dangerous territory.
1: My Michael Jackson impression comes from a place of love, by the way.
2: Oh, no, that's good. Um, One weird thing in this album on uh, Shaking Through, the 10th song, one of the two REM songs to have a full on key change. Mm. There's only two? Yeah. This one and Stand, which has multiple, I believe.
5: Hmm. Good for
2: them. Yeah, right? Yeah. And I think it's a very regrettable choice (laughs) in this song (laughs) because it's just like they're just doing the thing, and then, you know, then it's just like. The rockets get in the kick line, and you like, they just, you know, the, you David. just clap.
3: Oh, they just modulate it, up?
2: Yeah, it just goes up half a step, and it's just like, it, it, it. Okay, yeah. It, it, there's that, like, reaction that you have to think, like, hey, <laughs> when you hear that. Is tough. there ever a song that has, like, a key modulation, but, like, to the
1: lap? wrong key? was like, I would love <laughs> to have That was weird. This. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't the song just get sadder to you?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea. <laughs> Yeah. I, I was <laughs> gonna say, is there ever a song that modulates where you don't go, <laughs> like, it's never, like, cool. Like It's, it's never like, cool. It's like, always, it's like, always, a, it's always, like, you're, oh, come Sometimes
5: on. it's <laughs> very effective. Dolly's I Will Always Love You. Oh, okay. Give oh, me a break. That's it's a beautiful
3: it's, modulation. It's, no, it's, okay. a, it's, it's a tool, about darling but love. It,
5: it can be an
1: effective
3: Damn it. tool. Yeah. You guys are right.
2: Darling Love. But those are, those are, um, oh, 18 Wheeler transitions. No. Where it's just, like, there's a space, and you just honk the horn, and you just <laughs> pull this, like, semi through, and it's just...
3: Yeah, it's basically like li- like lighting a bomb off in a room. It's yeah. just, like, it's a very big like move a, to I do. Still I, I, will, I will, I will yeah.
1: always love you, definitely.
3: Okay, that, I There's I songs great. with
1: less bombastic key changes that yeah. still work, though. I'm
3: not thinking of, like, see, that's, like, a ballad. I guess I'm thinking of, like... Like rock, you know, it's so common in rock songs. Didn't you just get dream hammered? Shouldn't you be going <laughs> home and right, yes. a fucking, like ridiculous modulations in one of your songs? I back and roll to <laughs> you. Maybe, <laughs> maybe
5: that's what that song was missing. It's just a
3: few few crucial modulations. Oh, it modulated, it goes up. <laughs> it never stops. That's what made me think of it. it. was like, I just think there's so many songs like that. Like, oh, and then there's uh, like the Aerosmith cover of. uh
4: don't want to close my eyes. Oh, like, yeah.
3: Oh, no. Yeah. Like, that modulate. I just, like, I feel like that's the song that I'm used to modulating.
0: I w- yeah, we, we need to find one in rock.
3: Yeah. Because in soul a good one.
0: in pop, it probably makes perfect sense. But in rock, it... I think that there's... I, I think that's... What I it think is. there's plenty.
5: Doesn't Guns N' Roses... Think about it, because I'm Paradise
3: curious, because, like, the Dolly's a great yeah. example. But uh, No.
0: The, 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 the- hey, uh, people pop. who are listening. Yeah, give us one. Yeah. Uh, Positive, everybody? Yep. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. it's a good record. Okay. Yeah. I wrote down why not positive? Why not positive? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's yeah. great. Uh, we're going to get. listenable. I know we're going to get green. Uh, see we're
1: we're, gonna gonna go. we're Auto- getting at
0: least three more. Yeah.
1: Automatic gonna, and uh, Monster, I would imagine. I don't know if we'll get a, uh, uh, I, we'll get a I can't see Monster being be on be there. there. I don't think yeah. so. Monster's kind coming I mean, we, like but we a got Biscuit. We can get Monster. Document. Yeah. Document, I bet.
2: Document for sure. We might get
0: Document and Green.
2: Not automatic? It's gotta be automatic. Gotta be automatic. Okay. We'll figure it out.
0: I know that we've been
1: uh, uh, throwing shiny happy people under the bus a lot, but I like that song because it's got the Athens connection. Yeah,
5: Kate Pearson. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's cool. We're getting green, automatic for the people, murmur, we just did murmur and document. Document. Okay. Okay. Has
4: anyone heard the podcast, Are You Talking R.E.M. Remy? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't.
1: It's phenomenal. Is that the sequel of You Talking You Two to Me?
0: Yeah. Yes. Okay, nice. <laughs> all right, next time we'll be talking about the, the, soul mining. All right, thanks,
4: you